podcast about product management, user experience design, technology, and more. This is Product by Design. All right, welcome to another episode of Product by Design. I am Kyle Evans, and today we've got another awesome guest with us, Mark Pillar. Mark, welcome to the show. Hi, Kyle. Thank you. Glad to be here. Let me give a little bit little bit of a background on you, Mark, and then we'll, we'll have you kind of fill in for us. But Mark came to the U.S. as a refugee from the former Soviet Union in the early 90s and has worked in a large variety of organizations from large companies to startups and then eventually launched Back Endless in 2012, which we'll dive into a little bit more. I'm excited to talk about that, uh, which he has bootstrapped and grown uh, since then. So Mark, that's a brief introduction. Why don't you tell us more about yourself and your sure. background? Um, thank you. So yes, um, back analyst is my, uh, third company. Second that is successful. Uh, <laughs> first was a complete flop and, uh, yeah, I came, came down here to, to the United States early in the early nineties, right after USSR broke down. I, uh, used to live in, uh, uh, a, a place that is now a country in the southern tip of former USSR that is called Uzbekistan. And uh, uh, came down here, I was in the third year of university studying computer science. And uh, when we came down here, my parents pushed me, you know, to go and finish my degree. And of course, you know, education is everything, which is what I tell my kids as well. Uh, And at that time, uh, which I think I got really lucky because in the early 90s, was this boom going on with computer programmers and you know, anyone who literally knew how to turn on a computer could get a job. It was, you know, it was fantastic time. So for a 19 year old, I put together a resume that was about five pages long that just had everything I heard of. And I was, I was, I was lucky to, to get a job. My, my very first job about maybe four months into it after coming to the country. And speaking about, you know, coming to the country, I was just super excited about everything that I saw. I was just like, this is amazing place, you know? And of course, you know, prior to that, you read and hear about the land of opportunity and America and everything that it, that it, that it has to offer. And, uh, and I was just like, absolutely stunned by what is possible here. So I worked um, initially uh, for about maybe seven or eight years various companies, small and large, just kind of getting, getting the necessary experience and seeing how it was done. But I always thought that, you know, I'm going to have my own business one day. Like I want to work for myself. So I tried, uh, there were a couple of, well, just a couple of unsuccessful tries. And I started, you know, one, one point I had my own company, it didn't go anywhere. But then uh, at some point I said, I'm going to work a few hours every single day on something cool. And it, it was actually my new year's resolution. <laughs> and uh, I started working on a project and six months later, I had a product that I built and uh, now I needed to learn how to productize it, build a website, give it a name, write documentation, describe uh, from the marketing standpoint what it does. So I launched it and uh, that was my first successful business, which later on pivoted into what Backendless is now. <laughs> That's a, uh... Super, super fascinating background, um, especially, you know, the the starting the, you know, some of the failures that kind of go along with it and, you know, kind of the the ability to bring something from 
you know, just kind of the side hustle, I guess, the early, early side hustle from so long ago that, you know, is kind of a continued theme from, uh, or an ongoing theme even today. So, um, you know, I, I kind of want to dive into a little bit more of those things, but I guess before we do, um, you know, outside of a lot of the work that you're doing, you know, what other things do you enjoy doing? <laughs> I love travel. Travel to me is, you know, it means a lot. I've been to a lot of a lot of different countries, a lot of places. I, you know, before COVID hit, uh, American Airlines sends you an annual report, and right before COVID, I actually traveled the globe around, I guess, Jupiter the miles. I think five times over, <laughs> which is a lot of flying. Yeah. So uh, yeah, but with with the business, it took me to uh, some some very far and remote places that I could never imagine. So travel is 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 fantastic. I love cooking and just you know uh, coming up with uh, various things uh, and just going to various ethnic stores and just seeing some weird foods and kind of googling what I can do with them. So that's also a passion of mine. And I think those are going to be the top things. Of course, you know, spending time with kids and you know, playing ball and just doing basic things. It's it's also fascinating, and I love it just because you know the opportunity to do that is so short because they grow so fast. <laughs> that's that's the truth. It goes it goes by so quickly. Um, right. Yeah, we we've got a couple of young kids, and it amazes me how how quickly that goes by. As I'm sure you can attest. So, Absolutely. yeah. Um, awesome. Well, you know, you, you've kind of touched on, on your background and, you know, coming over as, uh, you know, coming to the United States as a refugee from Uzbekistan, uh, the former part of the USSR and, you know, kind of what that was like, uh, you know, I'm curious as, as, you know, so much of it is in the, in the news and, and I know, um, with, with Russia right now and Ukraine, like, uh, you know, Uzbekistan is obviously, you know, a little bit, uh, removed from Ukraine, but obviously like, you know, being part of the former USSR as well. Like what are your thoughts just on, on all of that right now? Like watching some of that unfold? Well, the thing is, um, I'm so close to kind of seeing the conflict with, uh, through the eyes of people who work for Backendless. You know, the yep. la- large portion of Backendless, pretty much the entire technical team, is from Ukraine. Yep. So with everything going on, you know, with all the conversations that I'm a part of, you know, people share with me their experiences and uh, all the regrouping we had to do when the war started because, you know, we have, our team is there yep. and the rockets are flying and, you know, buildings are being destroyed. It was it was very uh, hectic time where we actually had to adapt. But I believe what's going on is completely unjust, just absolutely terrible and unthinkable that we are in the 21st century witnessing uh, atrocities as they are happening now with uh, with Russia invading Ukraine and conducting 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 this terrible war. So I. I I just cannot fathom, uh, and uh, I'm in complete disgust with leadership of Russia, and not just leadership. I believe people of Russia supporting the war and just being oblivious to what's going on says a lot, and I'm just absolutely disgusted with, to be honest, with the whole country. Yeah, yeah. I just 
cannot imagine that, you know, in the modern times, someone could take this attitude and just be so brainwashed and afraid to speak up that, you know, governments can actually do such things. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a super, yeah, such a difficult thing. And, and I'm interested too in your teams because um, I had a very similar experience where, uh, you know, part of our development team uh, was based in Ukraine, like as, you know, right as it was happening, um, you know, as Russia first invaded. Uh, and then, uh, you know, there was, I actually ended up uh, moving to a different role in a different company um, shortly thereafter and, um, you know, ended up, unfortunately, because of that and, you know, just the the war and the communication and things, losing touch with um, some of those people who I was working so closely with for so long. And it's just, it's kind of gut-wrenching that part of it. But, you know, how how have you been able to main contact maintain contact with, with some of those team members and how has it impacted them and kind of interested in that aspect? So when it just started, we said, look, uh, people come first, business is secondary. We need to make sure that everyone is safe. And we basically said, guys, take as much time as you need to relocate, you know, get your families in the places where you believe it's going to be safer. And once you are somewhere where you can actually, you know, start thinking about, you know, doing some work or you know, using work as a distraction from everything that is happening, we'll regroup and we'll just continue to do things to the best of our abilities. So basically giving some time off where people can make the decisions that would be important for them to, you know, move things because uh, it's a fairly young crowd, you know, yeah. young professionals, uh, a lot of people who came to back endless were just straight out of universities. So they've been yep. with us for quite some time. So of course, you know, they're, you know, young families with kids and their parents and grandparents, everyone gets involved. So that was, that was, uh, challenging. And then plus, you know, if you think about at the scale of the whole country, which is about 45 million people, a large group of people is essentially just moving towards the West when it's safer. And with that, there are problems where it's hard to find an apartment and, you know, they're running out of gas and you, there are lines, huge lines just to get gas. And with, with all of that, it's, it becomes complicated. But at some point, everyone ended up where they felt safer. And uh, it was hard because the information space is filled with so much, so, so many, so much news, you know, it just, it's coming from everywhere. And Russia is trying to play their propaganda where like, you know, they're sending in pieces of, you know, some news information just to kind of cause some kind of civil unrest and whatnot. And it's hard to just, you know, kind of filter noise from signal from noise. And, uh, at one point, uh, there was a there was an article circulated somewhere in Ukraine in the IT sphere that basically said, guys, you know, we people in IT in Ukraine, we are kind of in a special group because no matter what the consequences are, if the economy is in ruins, if we continue doing our work, that will ensure that some money, some funds are coming into the country to support our economy. So the best way that we can help this war is to actually just do the work and uh and make sure that you know we're helping our customers that in turn will help our economy so that article got circulated we surfaced it in our chat uh, groups with internally and that made a difference people thought yeah 
that that makes perfect sense. So let's just go back to work. And uh, ever since it's uh, it's stabilized, but at the same time, I'm just in absolute awe that people managed to do it. They managed to to do the work. You know, I don't see a whole lot of difference in before they were now uh, because they're just fully committed. Yeah. And uh, and that is heroic because you know you could. We could be on a conference call discussing some business and there is an air siren that, you know, some rockets are flying and they're like, okay, let's just finish the conversation. I'll, I'll, I'll go to the, the bunker, you know, later on. <laughs> and then, you know, it's a, the contrast that, you know, here in, in, in Texas, you know, we could yeah. have a, a, a cold front coming, right? When temperatures drop, yep. everything's freezing and people like, nope. Cannot do any work. It is, you know, it's freezing out there. <laughs> yep, yep. It's yeah. The the uh, we've got just a little bit of frost, and that that's Lots, enough that like right. we can't. We, yeah, we can't go anywhere, and it, it right. might sure. knock out the power. Yeah. Stay at home. We cannot yep. do any work. Yep. And to contrast that, you know, people have you know just committing their code and look out of the window and their tanks rolling by. <laughs> it's Not <a> yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's amazing. That's. Um, it's it's one it's good to hear but it's also devastating to hear and um it's amazing total uh, you know we we've been saying it for a little while but yeah like it's just amazing what they're going through over there and and it's uh it's amazing to hear that you know they're they're still able to to be doing that and absolutely some of the most talented uh teams that I've I've worked with um and and uh, I I wish that I, I was still working with some of those people that uh, on some of the the teams that I was working with before, because just absolutely um, uh, just amazing, yeah. amazing people. I, I agree with you. It, it is really amazing because I've, I've tried, uh, I've tried outsourcing yep. early on. Uh, and that outsourcing was not uh, yep. with, from Ukraine. And by the way, now we, we don't do outsourcing. These are our yep. people we hire direct. They're part of backhands. But I think there's a cultural difference that actually makes them better engineers in the way where to be a good engineer, you've got to have critical thinking. No matter whether you are in the quality assurance testing things or writing software, or if you are a UX designer, you've got to be able to critique things and think critically and ask questions and not be afraid to ask questions. Why? Why does it need to be this way? Can it be simpler? Why do we have to do it like this? Like, you know, can we, you know, simplify it for the users? And whenever you're working in a in a creative environment, being able to ask those questions or just having an environment where those questions are welcome leads to uh, or or results in just better products. Yeah. And my experience, maybe it was just my subjective experience of you know specific companies, and I tried several of them. It was like you you give an assignment. And they just do it like it's written. No questions asked. Just assuming that that's the marching order. And that just didn't work for me. Yep. But in, in Ukraine, and we tried, we tried, you know, different companies first, but then we started hiring direct. That was kind of always the same thing. You know, people think through problems and they will ask questions. They will provide more creative solutions, which is fantastic. Yeah. 100 100%, 100%. Yeah. No, that's been exactly my my same experience and, and um with with a number of the developers that 
that I've had the fortunate opportunity to work with um, from Ukraine as well. Just absolute stellar, stellar people. So, um, hey, and hopefully if you're listening to this over there, um, I don't know how, but you guys are absolutely awesome. So, you know, switching gears just a little bit, you know, we you you've brought up and we've talked about back end this a couple of times now. So let's let's talk a little bit more about that. You know, what is back endless and and well, let's start there and we'll dive in, into a little bit more about the thinking behind what it is. Sure, sure. So let's start with the highest yep. level possible. It is a platform that makes it makes it simpler for you to turn your ideas into applications, whether they are mobile or desktop. If you're thinking about a problem and you can visualize the user experience, you know, what the users will see on the screen and how they will transform through the screens to execute business functions. And you may not be able to visualize it. There are people who can capture it and create mm-hmm. mock-up storyboards, but not. but in the essence, it is a, it is a system to turn ideas into reality. We call it visual application development platform. And use that, let's use that as a segue to kind of dig a little deeper. So what does visual application development platform entail? It means that in order to build an application within Backendless, whether it is mobile or desktop application, you can do the whole thing graphically. You do not need to get down to the level of writing actual code. If you're good with code, you absolutely can do that within Backendless. So it is a platform that appeals to both coders and no coders. So if you are a no coder, because this is kind of a, becoming a, a thing of modern days, is doing things without code. So if you are a no coder, the promise is that you don't need to know a programming language is definitely there. However, there are certain things you need to know. One, you need to understand how the platform works. So there's, there is a learning curve. We provide training videos, there's documentation, so there it will require you to kind of understand how it works. What would make it a better, well, we'll get to that later. So as far as the actual platform, it consists of two primary parts. One is the backend. For those who don't understand what backend is, if you, when you launch pretty much any application on your mobile phone, what you see is the front end. This is what captures the user experience. You know, all the individual screens, starting from the login or registration to, you know, the, if it is a banking app, you know, the screen that lists all your accounts or all your transactions, that's the front end. There is another part which is just as significant that users do not see, it, and that is called backend. Now, backend is going to be running somewhere on some servers. You know, it could be the cloud, it could be a dedicated service. Let's just say servers. And backend is responsible for really a finite set of things, such as keep handling information about your identity, like what's your user ID and password, and verifying that whenever you're trying to log in, that you are indeed who you say you are. So that happens on the server. Storing data in the database, like whenever you log into your mobile banking application, and it retrieves information about your accounts and transactions that's coming from some database. And the backend is the one that provides this data. And that, and I could go on and on and on, like for instance, sending out an email, or sending out a push notification or uploading an image 
in your social media that images, those images are stored somewhere in the back end. So we have the front end and the back end. And the, and, and, the, and the front end and the back end need to communicate with each other. There's going to be this integration, meaning that when you click certain button, request goes to the server, server does something, returns a response, and then the front end shows it. With backendless, we cover both front end and the back end. So on the back end, if you need to design your database, you can do it visually. If you need to manage your users, you can do it visually. If you need to work with the files that are accumulated by the application, once again, you can do it visually. Same thing goes for the front end. If you need to design that screen, lay out individual components, and you say, okay, this is going to be like certain text, and there's going to be a list of products, and there's going to be a button to add something to the shopping cart, whatnot, you lay it out visually. The most important part now, with any application, there is going to be logic. And the logic is basically the smarts that make the application alive. Like, what should happen when I click a button? There's going to be some you know, check if you do this and that, and if the file is available, or if the data is in the database, then you know, run a transaction. So all of that logic needs to be described somehow. And that's where typically and historically code would come in. Like with the code, you would describe the logic. With backendless, you can do it with code, but you can also do it without code using the visual programming paradigm that we call codeless. And codeless works like uh, really a collection of the jigsaw puzzles that you can snap together to build the actual logic. And once you snap them together and you have that logic, we actually generate code that will run and execute that logic. Okay, so now fairly low level of creating front-end, creating back-end, and how it is automatically integrated together. Once you're done, you just click Publish. It packages the app, and you can run that app uh, in a browser out of the box. Right there, you get a link. Or you can package it to run on the mobile device and publish it to the App Store. So, And that becomes the complete cycle of building an app and running it. Awesome. So. There's several, I guess, several things to kind of unpack there. And I'm, I'm really, really curious. How do you see this changing how we develop applications going forward? So obviously, like you mentioned before, you know, the, the no code movement is, you know, obviously becoming more and more prevalent and a bigger part of, of what we're doing. So how is it changing how we create applications and how do you see that continuing to change how we develop applications going forward sure there is a um, common sort of understanding or really a message from the no code community that no code democratizes application development which is true to an extent there is a little bit of an over over promise saying mm -hmm. that you don't need to know programming language to build apps true there are visual ways to do this, and we provide one of them. What the message doesn't say, and what vendors prefer not to say, <laughs> is that in order to build apps, it is not, it is okay not to know programming language, but you gotta have some basic skills from computer science that you really need to understand in order to be better or good at it. For instance, the basic idea of, they call it assignment of responsibilities. 
Okay, so assignment of responsibilities is when you design a system and the system consists of multiple components. It's basically splitting up this problem into smaller problems and saying which individual component, either visual or business component running on the server, is responsible for. And you basically say, whenever I need to save data to the database, I go to that service. Or whenever I need to calculate something, I go to that API. And being able to split this up in a way that you know makes the system kind of you know come alive and everything can talk to each other is a skill. It comes with an experience. You really need to understand how to dissect this. In addition to that, and it's related to this, the problem of building systems and applications comes down to taking the general problems like I need to build this app and start dissecting it into smaller problems and taking those smaller problems and splitting them up into even smaller problems. And that is also a skill because, you know, we, ever since we opened up our system and said, look, we are a no-code development platform, we see people coming in that are struggling with understanding how to split this up. They, they tend to look at things in a very monolithic way, and it becomes scary because it's like a black box that I just don't even know from what side to attack. And then even down lower, like, you know, just the basic computer science stuff of, you know, understanding what loops are and what variables are and how to, to do value assignment and what the value, the data types are. Those are important things to know when you build applications. And, and that is one of the biggest challenges in the no-code community is that people jump in on the promise that I don't need to know programming language to do it. And they start struggling to build applications that work. Here's another thing. In order for... In order for to launch an application, it is not enough just to build it and say, okay, these are my screens, everything's working. If your application is to become successful, it means it needs to be able to deal with either very large set of users, like a lot of people downloading, there is a high traffic, and slash or large data set. Like for instance, you know, you are accumulating a lot of data. You have, you know, your database has millions of records. If you did not design to scale, it means that at some point application will become sluggish and users will not be happy about it. So you will be getting a lot of one-star reviews in the app store and a lot of complaints on the support forum and people will be saying, look, what's going on? So scaling is something that should not be taken lightly. Specifically with backend lists, scaling is something that is embedded into our architecture. For the reason that when we started, one of the kind of guiding principles that I established for our team was, was to say that scaling should be just an, an attribute, a quality of our system, not something that needs to be achieved later on once an app is built. And that is something that we care deeply about. And what, what that means is that when you build an application with Becamus, and if you follow best practices, on day one, whether you have one user using your app or millions of users, the performance is going to be the same. There will not be degradation of performance because the platform is built to scale. That is not so much true with some, some other systems out there that are done in a way where it's very easy to build UIs, but they just don't do a lot or really anything to make sure that those apps scale. And then they don't really do a whole lot to train their users 
with an idea of what it makes an application scalable. As a result, when you look at how those systems are built and you have, let's say, a database, you can have a database with like you know, 200 different columns. And just to give you an, an idea, if you look at a spreadsheet, right, imagine there are, you know, 200 different columns in that Google sheet. It becomes completely, you know, very hard to use. And the same thing with an application. When you're retrieving data from a table that has 200 different columns, it's going to be very sluggish. But people don't know that this is a bad practice. You should not be doing that. Yeah. And nobody tells them. <laughs> uh, no, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and you brought up a couple things that I, I kind of want to dive into a, a little bit because you, I think you touched on some really important points, like uh, on the actual design and structure of building an app, and then the learning that goes along with it. So, you know, to, to some of the points that you made, how much of the overall architecture or design should be on the person creating? the the app and how much of that should be on the the system because obviously you know the system that that you're creating with can handle a lot of different scenarios but but how much of that should go back to to the user and then going along those same lines like how how should someone go about learning uh some of the the best ways to do this you know even though it is no code necessary you know by by its very nature, you know, there is some amount of understanding that you should have. So how how should users go about gaining that understanding and and really Great. being able to do it so that they're creating the right architecture and frameworks in order to make it the most successful? Right, right. Exactly. Great question. So I think the responsibility is on both sides in order to do it right. It's let's just step aside from building applications and let's look at the no code approach with like construction. You go to Home Depot and with everything that they sell, you could literally build a house by yourself, right? Yep. You get everything, you know, starting from, you know, concrete all the way to roofing with plumbing and, you know, all the two by fours and, you know, everything. And let's say you, you want to ap ap apply the no-code approach with plumbing. Like you don't want to call a plumber. You want to do it yourself. You just go in there. You got to get all the PVCs and you get the glue and you get whatever you need to. If you haven't watched a single YouTube video on plumbing or read, will your do-it-yourself plumbing system work? I'd say unlikely. Something's going to be leaking. Yep. And I speak from the experience. <laughs> and I think it is fairly universal, right? Yep. You gotta know what you're doing if you're doing it yourself, right? I think it's fairly accurate to say even with code, right? So you get that system that all those building blocks that you can, you know, step together and you know fill out those forms that describe what you're doing. But if you don't truly understand what happens with that data, how is it going to be stored? How is it going to be retrieved? How is it going to be transformed to display in the UI? the odds are you're going to run into the problem where things will not work exactly as you expect. Either they will not work right away or they will not work when you have, you know, 10,000 users registered to your system and there is some traffic that is being generated by yep. all of the users of your app. So who's, who bears the responsibility to make it right? I believe that responsibility is assigned to both vendor and the user. So the user really needs to understand what they're doing and what the consequences are for the decisions that they're making. Okay. But the vendor 
would need to either put some controls into the platform itself to say, hey, what you just did does not look right, or that's going <laughs> to <that's gonna laughs> cause problems, and the provide a warning and just strictly you know, restrict them from doing mm-hmm. that. Or they need to provide more educational materials to inform users of what the best ways of accomplishing certain tasks are. Yeah. Because in computer science, they wouldn't be calling it science if it was just a matter of filling out forms online. It is a science. Yeah. And if you are no coder, that's not an excuse that you don't need to train yourself on some basics of computer science. <laughs> I'm convinced with that. Yeah. Yep. No, it, I, I think that makes perfect sense. Uh, and you know, how should somebody who is, you know, maybe coming into it like pretty new, mm-hmm. how should they start uh, learning about it, uh, you know, about yeah. the basics of computer science? Like where sure. are, I guess, where are the best places to learn, you know, the, the very low level things? If I was, you know, if I had no computer science background or, or no coding background, like obviously it, it may not be, you know, starting to to learn a language, but really to learn the concepts. How would you go about that? Great question. There are actually plenty of resources. Uh, if if you like Udemy, if you registered and took any 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 uh, courses there, Udemy has a bunch of resources. Some of them may be may look overwhelming because you know the ones that are like five stars. You look at them and there's going to be like 150 hours of materials. <laughs> about, I don't know 100 plus lessons uh i look at it like okay well i don't have time it looks fantastic but i just don't have time to do it. so you've got to really identify the areas that you need to improve um in 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 my learning path uh it kind of was at the time when youtube was not around and books <laughs> books was the were the only source of kind of getting information so as far as books uh, one of the best books that i have uh, read on just design and architecture. Of course, there is uh, uh, the Gang of Four uh, book on the design patterns, mm-hmm. which is great. Another book that I really, really liked, it is by Craig, uh, Craig Lorman. It is called Applying UML and Patterns. Okay. And uh, uh, Craig and I, we used to work at the same company here in Dallas called Object Space. And a lot of, uh, a lot of, things that he talks about were kind of adopted there in the interview process at Object Space, which was fantastic. So so some of the design principles of how to, uh, you know, dissect problems into smaller problems and applying patterns are described in those books. But if you just go and start searching YouTube or even Udemy on design patterns and designing systems, uh, which is is separated from code, it really talks about, you know, design. Uh, to continue the construction analogy, it's not going to talk about, you know, you know whether you use nail number five here mm-hmm. and nail number two there and the kind of different, you know, two by fours or, uh, or two by eights, whatever. It talks about just how you conceptually approach problem of, of compartmentalizing decisions and, and, and things that the system is responsible for. So for no coders, understanding the principles of system design is more important than understanding the principles uh, at a lower level. Yep. However, if you are curious about lower levels, specifically, let's say, with codeless, with backendless, if you go to our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash backendless, 
one of the courses that we uh, that we have there is called Codeless Fundamentals. And Codeless Fundamentals talks about, it's about, I think, 20, 20 lectures, 20, 24 videos. We talk about everything that you could do with Codeless Paradigm, how to, you know, use those building blocks to create logic, and that will generate code for you. So that's for, for anyone who is interested in backendless, I believe it is a must to go through that training course. And then a lot of different things become, uh, you know, more obvious from yeah. there. Yep. No, that's, that's great. Well, we'll definitely put the link in the show notes as well to, to some of the references and to the YouTube channel, uh, to check that out because I think that's a super, super valuable thing. Uh, wherever you're at in your understanding, uh, being able to do more, I always think is incredibly, incredibly helpful. Um, and just experimenting more and more, whether you've done a little or are, have done uh, a lot, like just taking it to the next level is, I don't know, just do, do the next level, whatever that is, like take it, take it to the next step. So, um, and I'm curious, so, you know, I've been uh, listening uh, you know, we, we, in some of my work, you know, we, we work with machine learning and, and artificial intelligence, and, and there's always this kind of notion that some of these things are, are going to start to replace, uh, people in, yep. in what comes next. And I don't, I don't know if there's necessarily that sentiment, but I could see that sentiment in, you know, some of the, the no code, uh, potentially, you know, that it starts to replace, uh, developers. Uh, do, do you see that being the case? Absolutely. I think so. So uh, the, the whole promise of democratizing app development, it is, it, is, it is true to an extent where some of the simpler tasks will be handled by machines and people who, you know, can handle the complexity, level of complexity that is provided by those apps. If you look at what Wix has done mm-hmm. with being able to generate websites simply by providing a questionnaire to the user who starts with it. And for those who haven't tried with Wix, if you if you need like a basic marketing site for your shop, for your service, whatever, when you log into Wix, it asks you a couple of questions. What's your business name? Where are you located? You know, what's your tagline, business name, and so on. And it literally generates a website based on a template that you selected. And you can customize the whole thing. So what that means that for, for those companies whose bread and butter was creating this type of websites, I think just air completely sucked out of their own because you know you could you could you could do what they used to do in a matter of you know a couple of weeks mm-hmm. within five minutes and you have a working website, which is fantastic. I believe that analogy can be extended to many other things that that uh, exist in the app development space. Creating, like for instance, with with backendless, whenever you create an application, you get the templates of various different apps that just you know provide functionality out of the box. Let's say if you want a chat app, we have a template that you create an app from and you have full blown working chat that you can customize, change the you know styling and theme and have chat for your for your system. So what that means is that the types of problems that developers who are hardcore developers working with code they will start focusing on more specialized, more complex things. And right now they are, as you said, machine learning, AI, you know, some of the, uh, the, the problems that are being solved where there is a, 
heavier, more involved algorithmic processing and just the thinking that needs to go in there. Yeah. And then a lot of other things would be handled just by programs and users, business users working with those programs. Yep. It is absolutely true. Yeah. And then as we progress and the other new things come out where whether it's a virtual reality or whatever, or programming appliances and devices around us, then similar thing will be happening because, you know, who knows, maybe a toaster will have its own app store where you can just, you know, get apps for it to enhance it with capabilities and whatnot. And those could actually be created by no coders too. So that will not require a yep. lot of skills. Yeah. Uh, an area that I think is fairly safe for app developers is gaming. Because I don't think uh, it's possible that you can create Tetris-like games with no code. Definitely possible. Yeah. But with the progression that is happening in game development these days, they are becoming more realistic, more involved, more uh, the type of experiences that really mimic the, 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 the real life. I don't think the no code will ever be at that level where anyone can create that type of game. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that uh, it's fascinating, fascinating to me that as we as we continue to progress, I think that seeing a lot of the automation, kind of like you were talking about, on a lot of the more routine things and, and a lot of the, I, I don't know, you can almost call it like some of the lower level or, or, or simpler things, and then allowing for a lot of the more a lot more focus on a lot of the more sophisticated tasks, which you know obviously causes some shifts in you know what people are focused on, but also allows for a lot more innovation happening. Like as as developers and people can focus less on you know creating kind of like you're saying like marketing websites. Like our development efforts aren't happening there; they're happening on AI and machine learning and virtual reality. Like that's that's a cool shift in my mind anyway. Like we're, we're not, yeah, we're not, we're not doing these simple things like our, you know, developers and, and people aren't focused on that. And, you know, certainly it, there's transition as, as people start to move further down that innovation line, but it's an exciting time. And I'm, it, it is absolutely yeah. exciting. Time. However, it is an exciting time for developers who really excel at what yep. they're doing. What it also means is that for, for, for the group of developers in there, and that group is fairly large, that are mediocre, they're just like, you know, learn certain thing and they know how to do it, more than likely that uh, layer is going to be pretty much eliminated as time goes by. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think, and I think you're exactly right about that. So w with that, I'll ask, you know, what, what is your advice to, uh, to developers or people looking to get into either no code or into development. Like if, if somebody was looking to get into it right now or uh, looking to, to skill up or something like that, like what, what advice would you give to that group of people? Um, for, for developers, I think there is going to be a tremendous opportunity. And I'm talking about developers who are, uh, who work with code. There's going to be a tremendous opportunity with the, variety of no code tools as they are you know maturing now uh, to contribute to their marketplaces because it is fairly obvious at this point that the no code will continue to grow 
and the number of people who get plugged in to build with no code is going to be growing maybe even exponentially because those tools will get better and better so so there is going to be a tremendous opportunity because you will have a very large uh, market of people who need more or less custom things and those customizations either they are components or custom pages or plugins or whatnot they will be available through marketplaces okay so for developers who are looking for the next opportunity jumping into development to create those custom components pages maybe blueprint applications and start you know getting them done publishing to those marketplaces especially if those marketplaces provide a way to publish it for a fee that will result in some good result and some substantial residual income that will be coming over many years to come so those th this is an advice for them for those who feel opportunistic okay <laughs> if you are not that kind and just want to work on cool stuff then start getting into those new newer technologies that are considered cool today that will become mainstream tomorrow yep. and again it is you know vr ai machine learning predictive analytics all that stuff okay. but and if you're not in if neither of those groups start retraining for whatever you think is cool <laughs> but you can apply your skills yep. because your days are going to be numbered as a, as a developer yeah yep absolutely all right, uh, Mark. This has been a great conversation. I guess before we, before I kind of uh, ask final couple of questions, uh, any final thoughts on anything we talked about? Um, final thoughts. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I'll, I'll just do a quick plug for Backendless. So, yeah. if you guys are looking for a way to build an application, uh, and if you're not a coder, don't be afraid. Check it out. Backendless.com. We do have. A, great onboarding system that is called missions it is a gamified experience where you'll be provided with a set of tasks with instructions you execute those tasks which are basically functions within the platform itself you'll get badges you'll get our own currency called backhandless bucks that you can convert to real dollars and buy stuff from our shop or the subscriptions and by going through those missions you can actually unlock the free plan that we provide to build your applications so that's kind of a great way to get started with our platform we integrate with a variety of other systems like let's say if you are building uis with other systems and there's a bunch of them i will not even mention names because everybody knows them we integrate with all of them as a backend so and then our thing is scalability so if you are looking for a highly scalable system that can handle huge traffic it is okay to build UIs elsewhere, uh, but don't disregard the fact that scalability primarily comes from the backend, yep. and that's where we really shine. So I guess <laughs> that would be my final <laughs> thoughts to, to share. Awesome. Uh, well, that sounds that sounds great. Um, Backendless.com. Uh, we'll put the the link in the show notes. Um, and it, are there, is there anywhere else that people can check out more about you or anything else that you're working on? Sure. Um, uh, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Okay. It is, uh, what is it? Slash in slash Mark Piller, okay. one word, Mark P I L L E R. I'm on Twitter, uh, not very active, but you can <laughs> definitely get a hold of me there. Uh, I'm with at codeless coder. 
Okay. Awesome. We'll put those links in the show notes as well. And cool. Well, let me, let me wrap up with the final kind of two questions for you. Um, and have you, have you read or watched or, uh, uh, listened to anything interesting recently that, that, uh, you'd want to share? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I watched a movie just the other day on Netflix. It is by Cohen brothers. And I <laughs> thought it was absolutely fantastic the way it was done. Uh, let me, it was a ballad of, it's, it's like a Western type yep. of movie. It consists of, you know, multiple s- yep. s- small, you know what I'm talking about? I, is it the, the ballad of, of Bust, Buster's? Yes, drugs or drugs. yep yes yep i i absolutely love it. yeah it, it it was great uh and as far as the book let me log into my audible account yep. it is uh, it is a great book that i read or listened to uh that i highly recommend to those that like kind of science fiction type of uh, books it is called scrolling to it right now guys okay, sorry about that um by the way, Green Lights by Matthew McConaughey is, mm. is great. It looks if really good. Yeah. 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 Listen to it because okay. uh, on Audible, Matt McConaughey he, is the one who narrates his own book. And, yeah. you know, he adds so much color with, he, with, uh, with the way he yep. uh, talks. And so it's, it's, it's awesome. Yep. Uh, yeah. Trying to, oh, called Dark Matter by Blake Crouch. I will give, I'll give a plus one to that too. It, that is such you, a good right? book. Yes. I absolutely awesome. love it. Blake Crouch. Um, he has another one too. Oh, what is it? Um, I'm just looking back at my bookshelf and I, I don't see it. He has another book too. Um, and I'm forgetting the name of it, but yeah. Dark, yes. Uh, similar, uh, similar genre, but yeah, his, his two, oh, it's called recursion. Those two okay. books I read last summer, um, just absolutely so good. So good. Um, yeah, I'd highly recommend both of those. Yeah, they're great. Yep. And it's the kind of book that I love the kind of books when you read and it just like, it plays like a movie. Yep. And Dark Matter is definitely one of those. Yeah, totally, totally. Oh man, such a good book. I'm glad, I'm glad you read it and enjoyed it. Cause I, that's one I loved as well. Yeah. Sweet. Cool. Um, all right. And I guess last question, uh, we do a kind of a shout out and gripe or gripe anything that, uh, any products that you've used and, and liked or hated recently. Um, a product that I used, uh, is called Bravo studio, which is absolutely awesome. Bravo studio can take your designs and Figma and with just some annotations, turn it into a live real app that runs on a mobile device. Wow. Which is fantastic. Yeah. And they actually integrate with us as well. So you can, you can, you know, have your backend and make analysis of designs in Figma. And they, they did the test where they put together designs for an Instagram clone and, you know, the backend was in Macanlis. Just click generate and you get full blown Instagram clone right from the designs. Magic. Wow. Bravo studio. Yeah. Bravo studio. Okay. That sounds, sounds really cool to design it in Figma and then just have it yeah. uh, now have to have to check all that out. Well, we've got a lot of cool stuff uh, through this episode. Um, so hopefully some really cool things for everybody to check out because 
you could do a lot of cool things just with like some of the recommendations here. Okay. Cool. Um, well, Mark, it has been a really, really great conversation and a pleasure talking to you. Um, hopefully I, I, I've taken a lot away, a lot away from this conversation. Hopefully everybody else has as well. And I'm excited to try out some of the things that you suggested, um, through the, through the whole episode and, and here at the end and, and give it a try. So really appreciate it. Uh, we'll put all of the links in the show notes so others can, uh, try back end lists and try out some of these things as well. Cause, um, I think that it is uh, going to be incredibly valuable for a lot of people out there. So thank you. My pleasure. Thank you, Kyle. All right. And thank you everybody for listening. We'll talk again soon. Thanks again for listening. If you like the show, be sure to follow or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow the show on Twitter at prod by design. That's prod underscore by underscore design. You can follow me at Kyle Larry Evans on Twitter as well. If you want more product conversation, check out my newsletter, Product Thinking at productthinking.cc. You can follow me on Medium at Kaya Larry Evans as well, or check out my Medium publication, uh, Product by Design. Thanks again.